It's good to see you all. Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul uh, talks about how Christ has made us free from sin. But he warns us not to use that freedom as an opportunity to fulfill the lust of the flesh, to serve our flesh, but rather instead serve one another. And in Galatians chapter 15, He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul describes something very similar in Romans where he talks about that in war inside that we all have between the flesh and the spirit. And sometimes the flesh wins. And we are ashamed. But the spirit will win if, if we walk in the spirit. If, and he describes what walking in the spirit is. That's being led by the Spirit. If we go where that Spirit leads us, the Spirit of God, we'll win. We'll win that war. We'll, the Spirit will win that battle inside. It's, it's something, it's, it's a choice that we make every day. There's something over here that my flesh desires, I, I want to fulfill this fleshly desire over here, so I go this way. Let's check this out. Over here, there's, there's the, something that will lift up my spirit and will serve other people, will help other people. Let's go over here. Let's do this. And that choice is things, choices we make every day. And so then, to make it abundantly clear what things are the flesh and what things are of the spirit he goes on to list several examples of each of these he says the works of the flesh are easily seen there are adultery fornication uncleanness lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. These are the kinds of things are the works of the flesh. We try to do any of these things or things like this, we are serving our flesh. But, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he notes that these things over here, there's no law against any of these things. Who has ever made a law against kindness? 
When has gentleness ever been illegal? If you stay over here, if you make these choices, you'll have, you'll, you won't have all this worry and you won't be condemned. You won't have to worry about being persecuted by the law, by breaking any law. But over here, you stay over here, you make these choices over here, and you have a lot to worry about. Much to worry about. And furthermore, he says, if you are in Christ, if, if Christ is in you, then you've crucified the flesh. You have died with Christ. And so the only way you can live is to live in the Spirit, by walking in the Spirit. I'm sure all of us can probably improve on some of these things. I can probably improve on all of them. And so we're going to start a new series where we're going to be talking about the difference between these things, these, these fruits of the Spirit and the works of the flesh and contrasting them. And they've asked me to start this series by talking this morning about peace, the fruit of peace. Now, I preached on this topic about a year ago, and so some of my illustrations you may have heard before and ask you to forgive, forgive me for that, but I really like them, and so you can think of it as a reminder. Strong defines peace as safety, security, and silence. Whenever you see the word peace in the Bible, it's, the root word is going to be one of these three. God wants you to have the fruit of peace. And he wants you to have the security that comes with that. And the safety that comes with that. During the bombings of World War II, a lot of orphans were created. And they would go out and they would find these orphans living in these shells of homes. And they would bring them back and they would give them safety and comfort and they would feed them. Nevertheless, at night, these orphans would wake up in the middle of the night screaming. And they, wouldn't, and they could never sleep all night, many of them. And they tried and they tried and they could never get them to have peace at night. And so somebody got the idea of giving them a piece of bread at night. After they had already eaten supper, so it wasn't to eat, this was holding bread. And we're told just to hold this bread as they go to sleep. And it was a symbol to them, and it was a reminder to them that they had eaten today, and they would eat again. And all the children began to sleep peacefully at night. 
because they had something to hold on to, this security to hold on to. We understand that children sometimes need something to hold on to for security. What do you hold on to for security? What are you holding on to today for your security? Is it your job, your house, your possessions, your savings, your retirement, a weapon? Now these, these things, many of these things will give you something to worry about, but not so much peace, not long-term, lasting peace. God wants you to have peace with him and peace with one another. That's what he wants. In Hebrews 12, verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. The writer of Hebrews here refers to the story of Jacob and Esau, which we find in Galatians chapter 25. And it's a story about how Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac married Rebekah, and Rebekah had twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And Esau struggled to come out first, and so he was the firstborn. And because of that, he got the birthright that the firstborn had, and the blessings he had it gave him land. It gave him a position of authority in the family. And Esau was very different than Jacob. Uh, he was he had really hairy skin, and he would often go out and hunting. He was a hunter. He liked to hunt, whereas. Jacob had very smooth skin, and he preferred to stay at home and work in the garden with his mom. Well, it says that one day Esau came home from hunting, and he was very hungry because he didn't catch anything. And Jacob has just cooked this delicious stew. And he smells the stew, and he asks Jacob to give him some of that stew. And Jacob says, no. I don't think they got along. And Jacob refused. And Esau was like, I'm starving, Jacob. Give me some stew. And he says, no, but I'll sell it to you. Esau says, for what? Your birthright. I want your birthright. You can have some stew. You have all the stew you want. Just give me your birthright. Esau sold his birthright. 
for a bit of stew to his brother Jacob. Well, years passed, and their father, Isaac, was dying. And he had become quite blind. He could see nothing. And he knew he was about to die, so he told Esau to go, go hunting. Hunt some meat, bring it back, and make me that stew that I like. And when you do, I will give you my blessings. And so Esau goes out, and he goes hunting. And while he's out, Jacob and his mom conspire to take the blessings as well. They kill a goat and the, his mom makes this stew like Esau would make. And they take the skin off of this goat and they wrap it around Jacob's arms. And they put Esau's clothes on Jacob. And finally he comes to his father's bed with the stew and it says, I am Esau, here's your stew. And his father says, you don't sound like Esau, come, come closer. And he comes closer and he feels his arms, how hairy they are, and he smells Esau's clothes. And he decides, well, it must be him. So he proceeds to give him all of his blessings. And after that, Esau comes home. And when he finds out what has happened, he weeps and he grieves and he is so upset. And finally, he, he takes Jacob aside and he says, when father dies, I will kill you. Jacob knew that he meant it, and he runs. He flees for his life, he takes off and spends years running and hiding from Esau. Well, Jacob is blessed. He gains great wealth, and he has a wife and children, servants, he has all most people would think they would ever want in life. But he has no peace. He's constantly running from his brother, always looking over his shoulder, saying if someone's about to kill him. He has no peace, and finally he says it's not worth it. And so he sends a messenger to his brother Esau, who's now living in Edom, and along with this messenger, he sends donkeys loaded with possessions, with gifts. He sends him servants. And in, a no, in the message, he's begging him to please forgive him for what he had done. Well, the messenger returns, and he says, Esau is coming. And he's bringing 400 men with him. So Jacob knows it. he wasn't forgiven. He's coming to kill me. And so Jacob starts loading up donkeys with his possessions. And he starts sending them to Esau. 
wave after wave of donkeys and possessions and, and herds and servants. He sends them everything he has. And he finally sees Esau coming down the road toward him. And he tells his wife and children to stay back behind him. And he goes toward Esau and he bows down seven times. And Esau comes. And when he sees his brother, he starts running. And he gets to him and he grabs him by the throat. And he hugs him and he kisses him. And says, why, brother, have you sent me all of these things? And Jacob says, they are a gift to you to gain favor in your sight. And Esau says, you are my brother. Keep your things. I don't need them. And Jacob says, no, they are yours. And from that point on, Jacob and Esau had peace together. This story shows two brothers in very different points in their lives. When they were young, Esau didn't care about the gifts of God. All he was concerned with was fulfilling his flesh today. <clears throat> and when his brother got something that was his, he was willing to murder him. But Jacob was no better. All he cared about was the lust of getting his possessions, getting things, accumulating things. And he didn't care about his brother. And he was willing to lie and deceive his own father that was dying in order to get more. But when they were old, we see two very different people. Jacob now values his brother and peace more than things. So much so that he's willing to give it all away. And Esau has learned to be content with what he had and to forgive his brother. As we read in Hebrews 12 and verse 14, it says, pursue peace with all people. It's more valuable than food. It's more valuable than things. But the works of the flesh will take away that peace. In James chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? James says that conflict with people starts when you desire something you don't have. Why do they have things that I don't have? Why? Why are they getting privileges that I don't have? This person has these things. Don't I deserve these things? And you step, can't stop thinking about it. You know, it's not fair. Why do they get treated differently than me? 
this world. It's all about fairness. Fairness and equality. So you no longer feel safe and secure with what you have. Hebrews 13 and verse 5. says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with what things that you have. For he himself says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Are you content today with what you have? Think about it. Are you content? If you are, then you should have that peace and security that the fruit of peace gives you. You know, it's not always easy to have peace with other people. Some people are really easy to get along with. Other people, not so much. You might get in a fight with someone that lasts hours. It might last years. So how do you avoid this? James, chapter 1 and 19 says, Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Instead of arguing, listen to what people are saying. Really listen to other people. Try to understand their point of view. Try to see things in their eyes. And remember your own faults. It's really easy for us to forget our own faults. You know, it's not so hard. It's not so easy to forget other people's. You know, we've all done things in the past that we're not proud of. Are we willing to forget other people's mistakes? Or we just bring those up? And remember your salvation. Remember what God has given you always. Keep that in your mind every day. And you'll have peace. You will have peace. If you will focus on what God has given you. And what he will give you. What he has promised you. That's how you have peace. In Romans 12 and verse 17. It says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy has hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I've told you this story before. It's one of my favorite stories. There was this, there was this Christian, this young Christian man who joined the army, and he was obviously a Christian. Everyone knew because he, the things he said, the way he acted, and he would often kneel at his bed and pray at night. And 
The others would make fun of him. But still he knelt and he prayed every night. And one, one day they started throwing their old muddy boots at him while he prayed. While he prayed, throwing their boots and hitting him. How would you react to that? Well, what this young man did is something I wish that I would do. He, the next morning when everybody woke up, what they found was their boots. All of their boots were cleaned and polished shiny, like new, sitting in front of their beds. And every one of them knew exactly who did it. And the teasing stopped. The mocking stopped. This is what can happen when we obey God, when we follow the Spirit and not the flesh. The flesh is saying vengeance. The Spirit is saying, forgive. No matter what people do to you, as a Christian, you have to forgive them. Not just for their sake, but for your peace. If we say we're Christians, we have to act like Christ. And remember what he did when he was mocked. He blessed the people. When he was crucified, he said, forgive them. Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Peace will come if you focus your mind on God. You know, when Jesus Christ's birth was announced, all of heaven rejoiced. Luke chapter 2 and verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Is there peace in the world today? I see very little peace in our world. But Jesus also said in Luke 12, 51, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. Jesus didn't come to bring peace to this world. This world has always been at war with itself and with God. Jesus came to take you out of that war. To give you the kind of peace that you won't find in this world. You don't have to fight people. You don't have to fight God. You can surrender to Christ and accept the peace agreement that Jesus has made with God. 
John 14 and 27 said, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If you don't have peace with God this morning, then no other peace matters really. God wants peace with you so much that he was willing to send his son to die for that peace. And Jesus gave his life so that you would have that peace with God. If we stop fighting God and just do what he says to do, we can have that peace. We can know that silent, secure, and safe peace that God wants you to have. I hope you'll consider these things this morning. Walk in the spirit and not in the flesh as we stand and sing.